The Golden Homers are brought to you by Generations Barbershop, a Notre Dame-themed barbershop that has been keeping Irish fans looking good since 1930. Brent and Gill are located on Lincoln Way East in Mishawaka, Indiana. Open 8 to 5 and by appointment, call or text Brent at 574-250-0622. That's 574-250-0622. Hey, it's Nathan from the Golden Homers here to tell you about meetupvegas.com. Want to eat the same quality meats that the great chefs in Las Vegas use? I got the hookup for you. Delivered straight to your front door, meetupvegas.com offers steaks, pork chops, premium chicken breasts, prime rib, you name it. Check out meetupvegas.com and use code IRISH10 at checkout to receive $10 off your order. Low snap, picked it up, takes an end zone shot, and finding McKinley goes up and gets it, and it is a touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Golden Homers Podcast with your hosts, Mason Plummer and Nathan Erbach. What's going on, Irish fans? Welcome into the Golden Homers podcast here. Uh, been a few weeks since we've been able to record. Just obviously, uh, I think we we put it in our our memo when we were recording again that, you know, sometimes things get in the way. But it's only been a few weeks for us. Uh, I think we recorded post-Clemson, so we missed the uh, the Boston College and uh, USC games. But um, neither here or there at this present time. A lot of stuff going on in the, uh, the Notre Dame football world. Uh, obviously, the new bowl. Or the bowl game has been announced. North, or it's going to be Notre Dame versus South Carolina in the Gator Bowl on, I believe, December thirtieth. Time frame, I think, just uh, came out today. Um, going to be a three p.m. Eastern start time, which is unfortunate because there's also a Notre Dame basketball game that day around the same time. So, um, unfortunately, they weren't able to work around that. But obviously, recruiting. We got the uh, the. The portal open, um, national signing day is in about two weeks, uh, maybe a little bit less than that. Um, so a lot to talk about. Uh, maybe we'll do some uh, some superlatives as well, some end of season superlatives. We have draft declarations, Michael Mara, Zafoski, probably more to come as well. And uh, yeah, no, Mason, uh, just a lot to talk about. Welcome in, guys, and uh, we'll we'll see where <laughs> we'll see where the show takes us. Yeah, I'm feeling it's going to go a lot of different directions. Uh, it's been a little while, plenty to talk about for sure. You said it. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to get back on the mic, plenty to discuss, and uh, excited to uh, just see where this next next kind of area for Notre Dame continues to grow. Um, there's a lot a lot to talk about with the Freeman era and plenty of room to critique, plenty of room to uh, to praise Marcus Freeman in his first you know full year um, as Notre Dame's head coach and uh, an exciting time on the recruiting trail as well. Uh, a lot of people makes it makes people nervous around this time of year, uh, especially when you have a guy like Peyton Bowen, that's, you know, you might say he's hundred percent in, but he's kind of all over the place. So uh, it's an exciting time getting towards national signing day, finding, you know, who is going to be the next uh, generation of, of Notre Dame athletes. Always a good time. And uh, Notre Dame recruits some really good kids, you know, on the and off the field. So it's cool to see them like a guy like Michael Mayer. We remember his recruitment and, just his impact on and off the field, just watching them like grow as they go through Notre Dame, just so special. So um, definitely a weird time of the year with there not being games every weekend anymore, but still plenty to talk about. Yeah. And as I mentioned, I mean, this is the first time we're recording since I think post Clemson. So as, as most of you know, um, you know, they beat Boston college on senior night, 44, nothing lost to USC. I believe it was the uh, final score was like 38 to 27. 
um, Caleb Williams kind of just went bonkers in that game overall. And um, so Notre Dame finished the regular season eight and four. Um, and they've also gained two commitments since then. Caleb Smith, wide receiver out of Texas, Christopher Tarek, um, offensive lineman out of Illinois, who was both guys were flips. Um, Tarek was was previously a Wisconsin commit. And Smith was uh, was a Texas Tech commit at one point. Both guys were sort of being, um, you know, courted by some other by some other programs. You know, if you look at Caleb Smith's recruiting profile, it only says Texas Tech and Notre Dame as uh, as offers. But I'm pretty confident in saying that there were some other teams out there that maybe didn't officially offer him, but he essentially said thanks, but no thanks um, when they would come. And Notre Dame was really the only other school he was looking out, looking at outside of Texas Tech. And then Christopher Turek, sort of similar. I mean, he obviously has more offers, official offers, and Notre Dame got in on him kind of late um, as well. He took official visits to plenty of other programs. I think actually, um, just as an example, Iowa and I believe Michigan got official visits from him in the summertime. And, uh, you know, that Notre Dame offer came in and it was uh, something that he couldn't really uh, turn down. But then in some maybe some not so pleasant news, Notre Dame did lose a commit in Dylan Edwards yesterday. Um, obviously a huge commit in the class, very fast, can play wide receiver, can play running back, can be a punt kick returner for him. And you know, I guess the one good thing and maybe the silver lining in all this is that maybe maybe they're able to keep Jaden Lamar um, because of it and. You know, they already have Jeremiah Love and, like I mentioned, Jay and Lamar in the class at, at running back. They added Brandon Hillman. Actually, I should have mentioned him, but they've added three commitments. Um, Brandon Hillman, who was uh, kind of a late bloomer, someone who got a lot of offers late in the cycle, um, ended up choosing Notre Dame over several other schools. And, you know, he uh, he, he might play offense, might play defense. That could have played a factor as well in the Dylan Edwards decision. But, um but yeah, no, it looks like Dylan Edwards is going to end up at Colorado. So a lot of moving parts, um, as you can see. And, and Mason, you can, you know, maybe add on to to some of that, or you know, if you have anything else to any other guys to kind of mention and all that and all that jumble. Yeah. yeah, my only other addition here would be um, I've said it on other podcasts, but in, in terms of Caleb Smith, um, a lot of people think that you know just the offers that you see listed on Twitter, the guy, the ones the guys put out there, or um, you know, the offers that end up on like 24 seven sports rivals on three, those aren't necessarily always, I don't want to say accurate because they are accurate based on what the kid says. But a lot of times guys have offers that they just don't report. And I think that's important to note. Uh, I mean, you said it, there's no, there's really no chance in hell that Caleb Smith's only two offers are Texas tech and Notre Dame. Maybe those were the two he was interested in. That's who he ended up making his decision okay. from, but a guy with that kind of speed, he doesn't only have two offers. I promise. So, uh, in Notre Dame, it's really taking the approach of taking the fast athletes and figuring it out later. Um, this The speed in this class, I mean, you lost Dylan Edwards, who was one of the fastest in the class, but it's unlike we've seen. So I really like the emphasis on speed that Marcus Freeman has brought in to Notre Dame because it's obvious when Notre Dame gets to like, like a college football playoff type game that they're lacking speed. And uh, it's, it was obvious to Freeman that and that needed to be fixed and quickly. Yeah, I think it brings up another point where just – I mean, obviously there are fans out there that don't really follow recruiting, especially maybe like how me and you do, but there's recruiting is just so fluid. And I, I think I mentioned this in our group chat the other day, I was talking to some, some different college football, you know, fans and friends of mine and people that I've met throughout the years that aren't necessarily Notre Dame fans. And 
one guy brought up, I think he's a Florida fan and he brought up that they landed Lagley or whatever his last name is. Um, who's a 2024 five-star quarterback. And he pulled up a list of five guys and how I think, how I, I think Lagley had moved up a few spots and, CJ Carr happened to be on that list. And so was Julian saying probably the two guys that Notre Dame was most interested in, in the 2024 class. And you know, I just kind of randomly brought up the, the idea that all five of those guys are really, really talented. I don't really have them in maybe a specific order. Um, I think the other two were Dylan Rayola and, and Jaden Davis. Um, I might have my own opinion on some of those guys, but the, I guess the point of what I'm really getting at is I mentioned that CJ Carr and, uh, or CJ Carr was Notre Dame's number one target. He was Tommy Reese's number one target. Marcus Streeman was on board with that. And they wouldn't say they stopped recruiting um, Julian Sane because of that, but Julian Sane was someone that they were really in on early on in the cycle. And unless you were really following the 2024 class, you know, several months back, which a lot of people don't, even the recruiting people, you know, maybe not me and you, like I said, but just other people that follow it, they might not, they might wait to follow the 2024 class you know, until maybe the 2023 class is essentially over with. And a lot of these guys were like, no, Julian Sane was down to simply Bama and Georgia and I think LSU. And I was like, well, you know what, I'm not going to start an argument per se, but I can guarantee you that Julian Sane was a was a kid that Notre Dame really liked and the, the interest was reciprocated. And I don't know, maybe that was a sort of an off topic story, but it just goes to show you how, A, how recruiting can be so fluid and B, if you don't keep up with it on an everyday basis, there are going to be things you miss. Well, yeah, no doubt. It's a lot of time to put into it. And a lot of people just had to get away from it because there are the things that, you know, it, it sounds weird that you get attached to like a recruit or whatever, but you get attached to the talent. Like I've saw people all up in arms about Dylan Edwards. Like it is what it is. The kid's doing what he thinks is best for him. So whatever. Right. But um, you, you know, you see that a lot with people and like why they're like, you know, I'll just look at the class when it's done and signed. And I get that, but I, you know, I, I have a lot of fun covering and watching recruiting. So, um, but yeah, in terms of the, the Saiyan story, you know, I, I'm confident that if Reese decided that Saiyan was the guy and really went after him, we, I mean, we've went over the stats in terms of when to Tommy always gets his guy, it just hasn't always necessarily worked out. Um, Besides this so, year, maybe. Right. And we haven't, we haven't seen the full story on Tyler Buckner. We assumed, or at least he assumed that Drew Pine would get bigger. He never really did. So um, Tommy gets his guy and will it pan out? We don't really know, but um, Carr was his guy and he got his guy. So will Tommy ever coach CJ Carr? I don't really know. That's uh, <laughs> that's a story left to be uh, left to be told, I guess. Um, there's a lot of openings that look attractive for Tommy Reese, but ultimately it's up to him on, on what he wants to do. But uh, yeah, so many things happening all, all across the country. And if you don't follow recruiting, then yeah, I mean, you wouldn't know that how, how much Sam was interested in, in Notre Dame because he doesn't get talked about now that Notre Dame has its 2024 quarterback. So um, if you almost got to be like all or nothing kind of thing when it comes to recruiting, if you halfway, you're missing a lot. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, moving on a little bit, like I mentioned, Notre Dame has their bowl opponent. It's going to be the Gator Bowl against South Carolina. I don't think they've played South Carolina in our lifetime, um, which is kind of fun, Mason. So it's always, always fun yeah. to play a team that you haven't really seen on the on the map before. And so there's a lot of Notre Dame fans out there that, you know, probably don't remember the last time Notre Dame played South Carolina. And like I said, maybe it's because they weren't born yet. So it should be fun. Um, obviously, like I said, Michael Mayer, and Isaiah Foskey have declared for the draft. They've also announced that they won't be participating in the bowl game. No surprise there. Um, 
South Carolina. Surprised by the amount of people that are still surprised that they aren't playing. Yeah, no, exactly. It's just, it's just the way of college football is. Whether you like it or not, there's really no reason to kind of get into that. It's just, it's just the way it is. Um, you know, ten years ago, these guys are probably playing in the bowl game, but it's just, it's, it's a different college football world. And you know, unless these bowl games can promise you some money on the back end or something like that, which maybe that becomes a thing later on if they want to get, you know, kids playing in these playing in these games, then, you know, it's kind of a moot point. So um, Mayor Foskey won't be playing in the bowl game, but Notre Dame get, did get some good news in regards to Tyler Buckner uh, being full go and, and playing in the bowl game. I guess we can mention some other guys. Drew Pine uh, announced he is uh, transferring from Notre Dame, obviously won't be playing in the bowl game as well. Uh, Joe Wilkins, Jacob Lacey, they announced their intentions before the season started. They both have their destinations um, Joe Wilkins announced today that he was going to be transferring to a Miami of Ohio. Jacob Lacey committed to Oklahoma a few weeks back now. Um, and uh, what was it? Osita Ekwanu and freshman Jaden Bellamy. Um, Ekwanu was a graduate student and a kid that, uh, you know, just didn't really work out in Notre Dame, but he can maybe find some, uh, you know, some, some better play maybe like a, I know today he was offered by Charlotte, for example. So he's probably going to end up at the either the FCS level or you know the the G five level, which is I think a good fit for him at this point. Get a couple years under his belt, and you know who knows, maybe he makes a name for himself that way. Ball um, State. Yeah, no, that would be. More, that would any, any be guy that I think. I think he's go probably going to end up going closer to home. Um, I probably any guy that I think isn't quite Notre Dame level and could probably go down a level. I'm always rooting for both sides. It'll happen one of these days. <laughs> right. You got to tell us um, something. So just relax. <laughs> but for, uh, for Aquano, it's a shame that it never worked out just because he's like a first guy off the bus type of dude, like his genetics. And he's just so big. And it's just a shame that he couldn't really put it together. First off Notre the Dame. bus type of guy. Yeah, for sure. The dude's just massive and he looks ridiculous in a football uniform. So, Obviously, wishing the best for him. He's always kind of been that way, too. He's obviously added size with Bayless. But, um, you know, I'm excited to be able to to watch him get extended playing time. So, I think he can still be a good player. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'd, I'd love to see him get some playing time at that kind of school. And it goes – it's the same thing with Drew Pine, a kid that, you know, had some success at Notre Dame. When you look at the stats as a whole, he did have some success. He obviously – you know, isn't the most talented quarterback. And that's part of the reason why he's transferring. Notre Dame essentially told him, like, listen, we're looking for some some upgrades at your position. We don't want you to leave, but we understand if you do. And, you know, he immediately sort of jumped in the portal and it's hard to blame him. Um, I imagine he'll end up at either a weaker, quote unquote, weaker power five program or, you know, at a pretty good G5 school. And so there's no shame in that. It's not his fault that he ended up being the Notre Dame quarterback this year and you know Notre Dame's offense struggled because of it in in certain aspects but um you know I, I, it's hard to blame the kid wish him the best um maybe he's that ball state guy for you who knows um and oh, then, and then I mentioned Jaden Bellamy. Bellamy was a kid that you know wouldn't say he was a I think Notre Dame liked him when they took him so I don't want to say he was like a reach take, but he was definitely, I mean, I think I, I was just looking back and I know we mentioned on our group chat today, I was looking back at our list of our favorite players in the, in the 2022 class and Jaden Bellamy outside of Bryce McPherson, who I just kind of always leave punters, long snappers, kickers at the bottom of the list. Cause it's not really fair to kind of rank them with everybody else. In my opinion, I'm, I had Jaden Bellamy last in the 2022 class. So I guess it's, you know, sort of a, 
a positive attrition, um, in a sense, addition by subtraction type of thing. And, you know, again, wish him the best. I think I saw a crystal ball in for Rutgers, which makes a lot of sense. He's a kid new, from New Jersey, same high school as Steve Angeli. So um, Notre Dame is one of those programs because of the healthy state that they're in, even with the eight and four season, a lot of the kids they lose are going to be kids that are trying to find playing time. They're not kids that are leaving because they weren't playing at all. Um, or, or a starter, for example. There, I don't think we're going to see a lot of starters from Notre Dame transferring to, say, Alabama or Georgia or something like that to get their, again, quote-unquote name out there because Notre Dame, obviously, if you're starting, your name's going to be out there. So most of the kids that are going to be transferring from Notre Dame are guys that think they either, either A, deserve to be playing more, and maybe they do transfer to a Power Five, like Jacob Lacey did to Oklahoma. Good, Good kid. Had some good offers out there. I mean, Kentucky was another program that was after him um, in the transfer portal, um, and that's where he's from. He deserves to be at that kind of program, but he didn't really find the playing time in Notre Dame and wanted to leave. I already mentioned kind of Drew Pine. Drew Pine is a kid that might end up at a Northwestern, might end up at a Rutgers or a, you know, or, or a program like that and play well. But at Notre Dame, he probably wasn't going to be the starter next year so. Um, I think that's a good thing for Notre Dame. I think it's also sort of a, you know, an interesting topic that they haven't had so many guys just jump in the portal right when it opened. Um, they, they have guys that are considering staying. They have too much respect for the program to maybe not play in the bowl game, so on and so forth. So no, more names are going to trickle in, um, you know, maybe even as we record, who knows? <laughs> but uh, I, I wouldn't be, I think Notre Dame is going to have probably, you know, five to 10 more guys minimum jump into the portal but it's not going to be because of a i hate marcus freeman or you know notre dame sucks or that that kind of thing which you do see at other programs unfortunately yeah no doubt and positive attrition's the the term here and may, it might be guys that you were high on younger guys that you would like to see stay but it's just kind of the way the college football is right now if you're not playing you don't stay for three or four years to try and fight for your spot i mean for for right wrong or indifferent that's just not the way it is anymore and uh you got to respect a guy that wants to wants to move on i guess if they if they decide they want to do something else yeah no absolutely and i don't really like getting into names because i don't really like mentioning players that have an opportunity to leave or that might leave but i think a lot of notre dame fans kind of understand that um ironically enough going into the kind of the portal season i felt that quarterback was a position that not only would be subtracted from but also added from that looks to be the case obviously drew pine just left so we can mention him um, i would not be surprised if a running back entered the portal maybe with dylan edwards decommitting things change a little bit there i personally would be surprised if a wide receiver left i know a lot of people maybe disagree with that um, again don't really want to mention too many names um, i think they're more likely to add guys than than have any subtracted um, I could see maybe a tight end or two leaving. There's just a lot of guys in that room and more coming and, and, you know, in the future years. So it, it would make sense. Same with offensive line. Uh, I mean, with the two tackles locked up center locked up for another year, you know, there's going to be a lot of guys battling for the guard positions, but you know, maybe if maybe a tackle um, like a true tackle leaves and that's not going to obviously see the field next year, uh, maybe honestly, even the year after that, because I could see at least with the way this year worked out, see Joe Walt, you know, leaving for the NFL, but maybe Blake Fisher moving from right tackle to left tackle for a season before he leaves. Um, or maybe they both come back. A lot of offensive linemen, specifically at Notre Dame, tend to come back for another season before they before they jump right in. 
Um, so that wouldn't surprise me. We've already seen Osita Ekwanu leave. Wouldn't necessarily surprise me if another defensive lineman left. Um, same with linebacker. Wouldn't be surprised about that. Um, though I think any linebacker personally, um, from my perspective, leaving would kind of suck. Um, I just think there's a lot of talent in that room, and there's not really a guy that I really want to see, um, you know, and not see leave because I don't think that they're, you know, that they're Notre Dame material, but because they just haven't had the playing time or something like that, you know, it, it would it would be unfortunate to see someone leave. And then obviously I mentioned Jaden Bellamy, but I wouldn't be surprised if some more defensive backs left the class as well. Um, does that kind of line up with your sort of thinking, Mason? Yeah, I'm curious to hear more of your thoughts on the linebacker. That's what a lot of people are talking about right now is the linebacker position and um it's a, it's a popular opinion right now that people want to see kaiser and bertrand lose snaps to the college sneeds juniors of the world so Leofau, uh, too. people don't really like people want to see leofow lose snaps as well well i'm fine with leofow moving to viper or if junior moves to viper that's okay with me too um it seems like junior's always going to struggle to to keep off weight so why not pack it on a little bit i mean he'd be a smaller viper but uh, Notre Dame has a has an issue there right now and uh, you know if Leah Fowl can make that full-time transition to Viper I think he's a little bit slow for a linebacker and I'd let him use his true pass rush instincts I mean there's gonna be a lot of off-season storylines revolving around the Viper and the linebacker position so it'll be super interesting yeah I've mentioned Leah Fowl before on how I like his fit at Viper at least specifically this past season I mean it looked like just being closer to the line of scrimmage was something that benefited him more um, but with that said a lot of guys struggle speed and athleticism wise after the injury that he obtained. And it, and it takes a year yeah. to get that full athleticism back. So I am somewhat intrigued by what he could do next season. And I hope that's in a Notre Dame uniform, obviously. And I think it will. Um, but, you know, whether it's Viper, whether it's linebacker, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what sort of athleticism he's able to get back. And I, I think people, I think people take that for granted sometimes um, some of those injuries that guys have. So we'll, we'll see. Um, and then the other mention with, with Leah Fowl is there, there's been some talk that, you know, maybe he's too small to move to Viper, but I also think that a, he probably has the body type to gain, you know, 10, 15 pounds if need be. Um, but at the same time, he is a guy that it's not like he's a freshman. That's 235, 240. He's a going to be a, what a, a fourth year senior, I think next year. Um, and you know, there's a difference between being 235, 240 as a senior than coming in at 235 or 240. Um, you know, maybe some of that's baby fat. Maybe some of it's, you know, you're just obviously going to grow into a different position or something like that. So he he's a strong 235, 240. He's not a guy that needs to to build, you know, this unbelievable amount of strength in order to to win pass rush reps, at least in my opinion. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. So my other kind of question here is what do you do about Bertrand and Kaiser who are both likely to come back and likely to retain their starting spots, but you want to get a guy like Tali involved who's supremely talented and a probably, and I mean probably is a better athlete. What do you do there? So I think one thing that people aren't talking about is the loss of Bo Bauer. So Bo Bauer was supposed to be a big, a big guy in the defense this year. So you were, you were going, you, you going into next season, you have a hole to fill in that regard. Essentially, they just weren't able to fill that this year. Maybe they didn't feel like Collie Sneed or Junior were ready to fill that role, which is understandable considering Bo Bauer was a fifth year guy. Um, but I, I don't think enough people are talking about the fact that he was 
firmly in the rotation, got hurt, then wasn't. Bertrand, Leofau, and Kaiser kind of just as a threesome filled that role by themselves for the most part. I mean, obviously you did see some Collie um, specifically in the middle of the season. Um, and then not, and then Junior and Sneed sort of got more snaps, you know, towards, you know, maybe the end of, maybe towards the end of the season outside of the USC game. So I, I do think there's snaps to be had. And so whether it's Collie, Sneed, um, you know, <clears throat> Junior, even Ziggler, you know, Will Schweitzer, if he's still on the roster, guys like that. I mean, all those guys could maybe fight for that Bo Bauer role. And um, I don't know. I think I think more too many fans are worrying too much too much about linebacker. Maybe it's because I think some of these guys are better um than others do. I mean, obviously it's just an opinion, of course, but um I, I would not be the one that's super upset if you roll out next year with Kaiser, Leofau, and Bertrand as your starters, and they play the most snaps at linebacker. I just, I don't know. I can't see Kali taking that backseat role again. I'm, I'm just always been fair. super high on him. Yeah, that's definitely fair. I mean, he's a guy that was a Buckus Award winner in high school, top 100 player coming in. So yeah, no, I do agree in that regard that it, if especially if he comes back and you know doesn't see an increased role you know, he's probably in the portal the next year. Um, unless he can really just be like, listen, these guys are gone now. It's definitely my, it's definitely my team. You know, maybe he sticks it out, but no, it's, I agree. It's hard to come in with that sort of level of, you know, not only athleticism, but just hype in general and, you know, and not play until your fourth season. Right. And that's just, I mean, it's uncommon. We were talking about guys who don't play at one season and they're gone and, I think that'd be a lot to ask of him. I'm kind of hoping that Kali wins the job outright. Uh, I don't know how likely that is, but I've just been so high on him and I'm ready to ready to see it, the the full grasp of it. Yeah, and the other point is if he does win the job, I think that's a good thing because that means he beat out, you know, an, not only an incumbent starter, but guys that have played football and started at Notre Dame for a while. I mean, Kaiser is a, you know, a two-year starter. Bertrand is a two-year starter. Leah Fow is essentially a two-year starter, even though he got hurt. So if, if, if any of those guys, whether it's, maybe it's not Colin, maybe it's Snead, maybe it's, like I said, Nolan Ziegler, maybe it's Junior Tuyahalamaka. If any of those guys beat out the other three, I think that's a positive because that means that Notre Dame feels like those guys are ready to take over. So um, it, it will be interesting. And I, and again, I wouldn't be surprised that there is some attrition there. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, I think they've done well at linebacker. We just need to see all the talent come through. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we obviously we've kind of brought up the bowl game a little bit. We haven't gotten we haven't really driven too much into South Carolina. Um, I mean, I know Spencer Rattler is expected to play, um, but they have a few guys that are definitely in the transfer portal that um have the you know, Jaheen Bell is a big player for them. Austin Stogner left, so they lost both of their tight ends. And so you know, Cam Smith is a projected first round pick and like Mary Foskey, he's not going to be playing in the bowl game. So um, any thoughts on South Carolina? No, not really. I, in the next week or so, or maybe two weeks that there isn't football, I'm going to start watching a lot of their games, um, whether I can like find those on YouTube or whatever, things that aren't just highlights. So I can get a better feel for what they do and don't do. Uh, I try not to read you know, other people's opinions before I look at, at them myself. Um, you, you hit it um, in terms of the their 
guys that they're missing. Of course, Notre Dame's missing their two best players, uh, which is unfortunate. I do think Notre Dame's going to be able to run the ball against South Carolina. Obviously, the quarterback uh, position is of interest with Tyler Buckner supposedly being full go, but I don't know if that means that he's just in there as the starter or do you start in jelly with a, a Buckner package? I'm kind of curious what you would do there or kind of what you're hearing on, on that front. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely interesting because obviously Buckner was your starter going into the season. So if he's full go, you'd think that you would try to give him like a full opportunity to be the guy um, in a bowl game, you know, because the other thing is, is like, I don't really care how well he plays in the bowl game. I'm just glad that he's going to get some reps that he that supposedly he wasn't going to have. Um, and maybe he wouldn't have if if Pine decided to come back. Maybe they would just say, hey, like, you know what, we'll go next year you know, and, and figure it out then. But Pine's been our guy since, you know, week three um, or towards the end of week two. So we're just going to roll with the offense that we've had. And, you know, maybe Buckner would see a few snaps here and there in the bowl game. But it, it's definitely interesting because I do think they maybe want to give Sim and Angeli some snaps. Um, he I don't think he threw a pass this season, even though he played in a few games here and there. Yeah. Um, so it, it could be a coming out party for him if he looks good, you know, if they don't have their portal QB by then and both guys play really well, do they go after a portal guy? I would probably still say yes, but I think it's a question worth asking. Um, my, my guess would be though, is that they'll have their portal QB before then, um, or at least an idea of who their portal QB is going to be before then. Um, I don't want to say that they're going to be tampering or anything like that, but if there are guys that have not entered the portal by then, you know, maybe Notre Dame has had some back channel conversations. Who knows <laughs> with those guys? I mean, you know, every other team's doing it. So why not Notre Dame? Um, but it'll be interesting. I mean, if Buckner plays well, um, I think he's definitely going to help the running game. Like you said, I think they're going to run well against South Carolina. And, you know, obviously R Buckner's running ability could be a big part of that and something that Pine did not bring uh, to the Notre Dame offense. So um, we'll see. I mean, I think both guys play and, I would probably venture to guess that Buckner starts just because, like I mentioned, he was the starter going into the season. But it will certainly be interesting because I part of me thinks they want to give Angeli a fair shake to get some reps. Yeah, and either way, I'm excited about it because I'm excited to see Buckner back, what he looks like, and then I really want to see Angeli at least throw the ball. So both of those uh, both of those options seem like good ones to me and two things I'm excited about in terms of the future of the Notre Dame program. We're going to see it right there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Real quick, Mason, I know we probably have about 10 minutes left here before we should get getting off, but you know, we've, we've talked about a lot of different things and it's, it's hard to talk about everything when you kind of jumble it all into one podcast, which is fine. Maybe we'll do a spaces here in the next couple of days, whatever it may be, but want to give out, I guess, some, Notre Dame superlatives, some Notre Dame end of year awards. Uh, I know we wanted to do like a mid season thing, but it just didn't really work out. Um, I don't have our lists in front of us of guys that we felt were going to be, you know, whatever our super superlative was, were at the time. Um, but do you have a team MVP? Do you have a guy that, you know, you thought broke out in a big way that, you know, is maybe a guy that we're going to be talking about a lot next year. Um, you know, I guess we can just maybe start from the top from the top and just say, who, who did you think the team MVP was offensive MVP, defensive MVP? And then uh, I'll give you mine as well. Yeah. I'll start with team MVP. I'm going to say Michael Mayer. Um, I think that's kind of the, the easy answer to cop out answer, but 
with the, the lack of passing weapons that there were and the lack of skill <laughs> with Drew Pine. And um, when, when Notre Dame dropped back to pass, you knew who was going to, and it didn't matter. The guy's still setting program records, breaking his own records, just scoring touchdowns for fun. So um, he didn't win the Mackey, which is an absolute joke. Uh, the thread you started yesterday was legendary. Uh, with everybody blocking the the Mackey Award Twitter account, not that that account cares, but I wish it would have gotten more, even more love than it did, because it's honestly one of my favorite tweets of all time. <laughs> it's a it's a good one, and it's totally deserved. It's just become an SEC award show, and it, it's really a joke. Uh, you could say that I mean, I, I don't know what you could say. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, look at the stats. That's all you need. Um, but. Regardless, Mayer is my offensive or I'm my team MVP. I'm not going to go the same for offensive. Um, for offensive, I'm actually going to go with Joe Alt. I think that he just held it down and he was so crucial on that offensive line. Uh, I really like everything in his game. Really, I, he was one of the guys that I was really able to get close with when he was being recruited out of high school. And I didn't, I was high on his potential, but I wasn't necessarily ready to make him a not day one starter, but a freshman starter and the number one tackle in the country. And I think things could have fallen apart very quickly for Notre Dame if it wasn't able to run the ball so effectively. And running the ball to the left side was so crucial all year long, as well as him holding down the, the left side in terms of a pass blocking. So I'll take him as my offensive MVP. And then defensive, I guess, Foskey. I mean, he broke the program record for sacks. I feel like these are cop-out answers, but I think they're the right ones. Anytime you break a record, I think that's crucial. Mayer and Foskey both. So um, I think – Foskey's play sometimes in big games a little bit lackluster, but I think he has a big future in the NFL. It's at a premium position. Um, I've kind of I wouldn't have said this a couple months ago, but I've been kind of been convinced now that Foskey might be drafted ahead of Mayer just because of positional uh, value, I guess, with edge rushers being so crucial in the NFL, and a lot of teams are going to like the potential and the production of Foskey. So um, I think we're we're looking at two Notre Dame first rounders. I'd imagine, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I'm ready to say he's a first-rounder. Um, I think he's certainly a guy that could be. Um, you know, the Senior Bowl and Combine, obviously, stuff like that will, will will help a lot. But, you know, you look at the production, and it's it's hard to argue with. I know some people want to nitpick, you know, the fact that he can be dis- – you know, he can disappear at times. But I'll be honest, I kind of looked at his game-by-game numbers the last couple seasons, and I think that's sort of been debunked a little bit. I thought he had plenty. I, I don't have the stats in front of me. I wish I did just to kind of throw it out there. Uh, maybe maybe that's my un- <laughs> my lack of preparedness for the podcast today. So, But uh, we'll bring it up in a space or, or next, next week in the podcast. But, you know, just looking at his game-by-game numbers, I thought he showed up in big games all the time. And, you know, he had back-to-back years with 11-plus sacks. Um, ironically enough, he's not my team MVP or, or my, my defensive MVP. I do agree with you on team MVP. I think it's Michael Mary's the best player on the roster should be the first pick. Um, or it should be like the first Notre Dame pick in the draft in a first rounder. I would hopefully imagine he's a top 15 guy, but like you mentioned, positional value at tight end sometimes drops guys back, especially a guy like Mayer, who's not just like a, I guess a quote unquote athletic freak per se, like a Kyle Pitts or something like that, but he just does everything so well. He blocks well, catches everything thrown his way. I don't care if he's going to run a four, seven, you know, he, he knows how to create separation against some of the best players in the country at linebacker and safety and different things like that. So it was really just a treat to watch him not only this year, but during his whole Notre Dame career. And like you mentioned, it's an absolute travesty. It's a sham that he didn't win the Mackey award. 
Uh, I know it bothered him last year that he didn't win it and he wasn't even invited. And he kind of came back this year with his chip on his shoulder saying that he really wanted to win it. And he, he really did deserve it. And it's for the people that say Brock Bowers is a better tight end. Like I'm not even going to necessarily argue with you on that. Brock Bowers, Brock Bowers is a terrific player. I had him as the number one player in the country when he was coming out of high school. So I definitely can't argue with you there, but it, it should be a stat driven award. And unfortunately I think in, like you said, today's game, I don't know if I want to say it's an SEC award, but it's definitely like a college football playoff award. Um, and that goes for all of college football playoff or college football awards, not just the Mackey. It always tends to go to a guy that's, you know, still playing when, when the season's over, which, you know, obviously a lot of the great players are, but you know, again, it's just kind of unfortunate. Um, offensive MVP. I'm going to go a little bit different than you. It's going to mostly to be just to shout out another guy, but I'm going to say Jarrett Patterson when he was out for the OSU game. And when he, you know, essentially wasn't full go in that, that Marshall game, you could really see how the offensive line wasn't great because of it. But then once he was back full go about, I think halfway through the Cal game, the offensive line got really good. And, you know, he was sort of just that, that gel piece for him. So he's not the, mo he's not the most talented player on the offensive line. I think you hit the nail on the head with Joe Alt there. Um, but he was a guy that just kind of made everything better um, around him. And, you know, probably it's because he's that fifth year presence, but it is what it is. And then actually for defensive MVP, this might be a little bit of a surprise because most people are going to view him as sort of just a breakout player or like a freshman star, but I'm going to go Benjamin Morrison. Um, what he was, will what he was able to do for Notre Dame secondary, when they obviously needed it, you know, Clarence Lewis, I think is a fine player, but you know, the fact that Benjamin Morrison was able to come in and essentially just say, Hey, as a true freshman, this is my job. I'm going to be the best player in the secondary, which he was. Um, I, I really think that that turned around not only the secondary, but the defense as a whole, it got Foskey going as the season went on because he was able to, you know, essentially create some coverage sacks for guys. Obviously he picked off two passes in the, the Clemson game, three in the Boston college game had many other passes defended um, and just ended up being a rock for Notre Dame specifically towards, you know, what was it like game four or five and on. And I, I know he wasn't the starter the first few weeks, but I, I think it, it's something to be said that he made the defense better once he became the full-time starter. And he, had, he essentially never came off the field after that. Yeah, no doubt. That's a good call. Um, severely underrated by all of us, apparently. Um, I, I mean, I knew I liked the potential. I didn't think it'd be this soon. Uh, maybe I need to, I don't know. I, I've said the same thing about Joel. I just don't assume guys are going to come in and play right away. And I guess it would have been a bold take to say that Morrison would have this kind of year. So uh, Mickey yeah. was the guy that was more heralded as a guy that was going to play right away. And Mickey played quite a bit, but he got burned quite a bit too. I'm right. still very high on Mickey. I think people are uh, ready to be out on him already, which I, I think is crazy because I think the kid's talented as all hell. So yeah. And I mean, the Notre Dame secondary, what it's shaping up to be compared to what it was a couple of years ago, it's it's worlds different. Yeah. No, you keep Bowen in this class and it could be a really special, special secondary over the next couple of years for for sure. So I'm I'm definitely excited about that. Well, but, when you think about it, like Christian Gray could be better than Benjamin Morrison. I don't even think that's a crazy thing to say. Yeah. No, I mean, it might be crazy now just what, what he's done, but no, he's certainly ranked higher and you know, kind of a similar player where he just has like arms down to his, you know, down to his legs and um, just a really lengthy kid, even though he's only six foot and, and different things like that. So he's, he should be a fun player for Notre Dame, but maybe next week, what we could do is, I know it's maybe unfair to do it after their freshman season, just because 
not everybody's going to play. Not everybody's going to produce as a freshman, but maybe we can kind of do our re-rank of the 2022 class. And um, I know it won't be, it will be a little bit before signing day, assuming that we record next week, but you know, we can rank our 2023 class um, as well, at least as it stands as of whatever day we record, but um, and yeah, that's what we can do, but yeah, I think we're going to get out of here. I mean, obviously that was a little bit jumbled, like I said, but uh, again, follow us at the Golden Homers um, on Twitter. You can find me at Nathan underscore Erbach. You can find Mason at Mason Plummer underscore. That's with two M's, not the way you traditionally spell plumber. Um, but yeah, not me, Mason, any closing thoughts real quick? No, just um, stay locked in with us. Stay locked into both of our Twitter accounts. This is a, this isn't a, time of year where there's a game every weekend but there's a ton of action going on in the portal of subtractions additions recruiting uh we're all we're covering everything and if we don't add our own thoughts we at least retweet everything that you guys need to know so yeah no absolutely mason i completely agree but uh like i said guys uh we will we'll probably record next week um have a spaces for you here we'll talk a little notre dame basketball or something like that as well um, you know, maybe some other sports. I know women's women's soccer had a really good run, lost in the uh, quarterfinals, I believe. So a lot of fun stuff going on around Notre Dame. But, uh, but yeah, absolutely. We got the Gator Bowl coming up. We have signing day coming up in a few weeks as well. Transfer portal is obviously going to go crazy. Stick with us as all this news happens. Um, and, again, follow us at Golden Homers. Have a great day, guys. Go Irish.